Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So the first line is this, as I matured as a Christian, which apparently has sped up over the course of this year, <laughs> I realized and this may seem obvious to some of you, but to me, I kind of had to figure it out. But I was sort of treating God like a genie in, in, a few, in a few areas. God was kind of like TV on demand. God was like Netflix. Whatever I want to watch, it should be there. should be on, right? So Matt would have a problem. Matt would decide that prayer is a good idea. So Matt asks the genie to do his bidding. And then Matt is sad at his prayer success rate. <laughs> so Matt sees a growth opportunity. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a more effective way to pray. If prayer always works, but not my prayer always works. <laughs> Have you ever been like that? I don't know about you. Maybe you can. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But maybe you've been in that place where, for you, God is a genie. God is a vending machine. Maybe, you know, I put in my prayer and I put in my Bible reading and then out comes a nice Coke or something like that. Have you ever had a problem you needed solving? Have you ever had a bill that you needed to pay? Have you ever had a conflict you needed resolved? Did you ever panic in an exam room and suddenly turn to prayer? Have you ever turned to prayer because mum and dad didn't get you what you wanted for your birthday? Have you ever requested of God that he helps your sports team to win? I have. <laughs> but here's the question tonight. Who told you that God was a genie? Where did you get that picture of God? Where did that come from? So I've, I've spent a little bit of time just trying to figure out where did I get that picture from? Because, you know, the, a genie, this, this God with a white beard sitting on a throne at the North Pole that comes and gives me gifts every so often, that's not God, that's Santa Claus. God is not Santa Claus. God is not TV on demand. God is not a vending machine. He is the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He is everything. He is love. He is light. He is life. But he's certainly not a genie. <laughs> so, I want to have a look at a little bit of a story here. Now, can we bring up the, and we'll just see if the text all working, eh? Oh, it is working. It's not working. Okay, so we're turning to Joshua 5. This is just setting the scene for where we're going tonight. Joshua 5, 13 to 15. And then this. While Joshua was there near Jericho. So, background. The Israelites spy the promised land, kind of stuff the plan up a little bit, walk around the desert. 40 years, Moses has to pass away. Can't inherit the promise because of some things he's done. And then this, it's where we are now. Joshua was there near Jericho. He looked up and saw right in front of him a man standing holding a drawn sword. Joshua stepped up to him and said, whose side are you on, ours or our enemies? Are you on the crusader's side 
or the hurricane side? Are you on the all-black side or the Springbok side? Whose side are you on? Ours or our enemies? Now this man, standing in front of him, some say it might have been Jesus. I wasn't there, so I don't really know. But he refers to himself, as you might see, hopefully, as the commander of the Lord's armies. You're going to just have to scroll through that with me, Phil. Neither. I'm commander of God's army. Neither. Are you on my side or my enemy's side? No. (laughs) Which team do you support? No. In in essence, right? You can get that. (laughs) Neither. I'm commander of God's army. I've just arrived. I can imagine in that moment a stiff breeze, the cape flies off, there's perfect lighting, I've just arrived. (laughs) And in that space, Joshua fell face to the ground and worshipped. He asked, what orders does my master have for his servant? God's army commander ordered Joshua, take your sandals off your feet. The place you are standing is holy, and Joshua did it. So I want to maybe hopefully tonight communicate to you that this is a smart response. Are you on my side, or are you on the enemy's side? No, I'm here, I'm going to take over. Okay, master. What do you want me to do? Take your shoes off. What? Okay, Joshua did it. Joshua did it. So I love this story. Some say that this is Jesus himself. So that's a little bit of the framework, right? We're just going to move a little bit through here. So I want to steal this thought from elevation, not my idea, but there is a cloud, right? There is a cloud. This may not be news to you, but the cloud is not a data storage service. Sometimes you have to clear that up in the 21st century. The cloud was not a data storage service. What the cloud was in the journey of the nation of Israel was the sign of the direct activity of the presence of God on earth. So to make a statement like there is a cloud is quite simply to say the direct activity of God is here on earth in that environment. Right? Now, it's, okay, it wasn't a cloud, It was a man, I've just arrived, but it was the direct activity of God in that space. And clouds are to do with God lifting the covenant curse from the people of Israel, and they're also a sign of his new covenant with Israel. But I don't have time tonight to go too much into that stuff. It doesn't really matter. But so, when this man turns up, I love that Joshua is kind of, probably approaching him how I would have approached God at one point and kind of said, are you on my side? Are you on my enemy's side? Is God for me? Is, is God against me? I don't, maybe tonight that's your question. I just really don't know if God is for me or if he's against me. Like I just, I'm really not sure. Well, I love Joshua's response and, and face down, straight away. Face down. Now, I'm not probably in the place where I could humble myself 
in the presence of a warrior to just quickly go, oh, face down. Okay, master, sorry. I would probably have to take the long, slow, painful journey of realizing that actually this dude will probably whoop me. But I love this implication. He says, I'm here to take over. I've just arrived. There's that kind of the subtext is you might want to align yourself with my side rather than hoping that I'll align myself with yours. So tonight, have you been frustrated with God because it doesn't feel like he's on your team? Well, maybe more the question is, are you positioned to be on his team? Let's have a look at Luke 11.23. This is the words of Jesus. That's why they're read. If you didn't know. This is war, and there is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. Now, I could say those same words, and you'd be like, whatever, but it's the words of Jesus. <laughs> we say that Jesus is our king. We say that, we're, you know, that's what it means to be a Christian. This is, this is in that space. So here's this wisdom. We are in a battle. We are at war, and there is no Switzerland, unfortunately. You're either on his team or not. Quite simple. See, in the presence of problems, I love the thought that there is always an answer. There is always a way, but we just haven't thought about it yet. The classic little line is, my keys were in the last place I looked. Yes, of course. Because once you find out where they were, you're not going to keep looking. Once you find the answer, you don't keep looking for an answer. Right? So we just haven't thought about the answer yet. We haven't joined his team. This might be tonight the answer for you. Maybe you've been faced with all of these problems in life, and you just simply haven't joined his team. So here's the thing. If you develop a certainty of his will then you will do the things which other people are certain are impossible. I can't make the impossible happen if it's just something that I want, because it's impossible. <laughs> right? doesn't work. But if I find myself in a place of knowing what his will, and this is a pretty big question. We're probably not going to be able to answer this all tonight. What is God's will for my life? That's probably a little bit of a journey. I could almost say that's the kind of thing that's going to take a little bit of daily time reading the Bible, praying, maybe living a life that we say that we do, rather than genie. So the power of a promise is not in us sitting back waiting for it to happen. Right? So I read the Bible, I find the promises of God, and then I go, that's going to happen. Great. Let it be. On earth as in heaven. doesn't have quite the same magic to it. So maybe for some of you it's to find prophetic environments because the prophetic is to encourage you to position your thinking to align your now thoughts with something that is in the future. Do you have a prophetic promise for your life? Whether you are 18 or 80, do you have a now and a yet to come? So I find myself asking, what do I need to do to align myself with the commander of the Lord's armies. 
because it is a war, and there's one of two sides that I can take. And based on what I understand from a Christian worldview, reading the Bible, there's the, back, the battle has actually already been decided. So which side am I going to align myself with? Would it make sense to be a blues supporter? No. Would it make sense to be a Crusaders supporter? Why? Because one team is more likely to win. Obvious. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for clearing that up. But so one side has won. One side has the victory. That is what, maybe for some of you, that's the good news tonight. We're in a war. You're in a battle. There are problems. There are challenges. There are conflicts. But the outcome is already decided. It just depends which side of the outcome you want to land on. So again, I find myself asking, what can I do to align myself with the commander of the Lord's armies? Well, I've got good news. He gives us a clue. <laughs> Take your sandals off. The place you're standing is holy. Now, that to us sounds a little bit strange, a little bit weird. But it's quite significant because I'm pretty confident that Moses would have said that exact same phrase to Joshua when he was describing the burning bush encounter. The one with which this God that we talk about, the creator of all, of all heaven and earth, when he first made himself known in that real tangible way, what did he say? Take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. And so that I've learned from my mentor the guy that I followed, the guy that I pushed, and now it's my moment where that same voice, that same opportunity is being offered. Take your shoes off, Joshua. Your master took his shoes off. He's done what I said. Great. You've seen what that's brought about. You've seen the freedom from captivity for millions of Israelites. You've seen the destruction of the most powerful military might on earth at that time. Will you take your shoes off? And in bold, Joshua did it. I'm not even going to put the lid back on that samadhi. So both times that God has, in some way, shape or form, told a man to take his shoes off because he's standing on holy ground, he, it has been in the direct presence. It has been a face to face encounter, or maybe a burning bush to face encounter, but it is a cloud moment, a direct activity. Here's God right now. Take your sandals off. Now, for these guys, that was a sign of reverence and a sign of respect. When you came before someone who, as he uses the word, you recognized as a master, you would take off your shoes. Taking off the sandals was just, you know, like if I walk into your house and I'm wearing a hat, I should, within good manners, take my hat off when I come into your house. We maybe don't do that so many times anymore. Or when I tip my hat and say, good morning. It's a sign of respect. Taking your shoes off was just a sign of respect in one regard. And so the, the ground was holy because it was in the midst of the direct presence of God. There was nothing special about the ground apart from that the ground was right in the middle of the direct presence of God. 
So people were to approach God with solemnity and humility. That's a good word for tonight. That's about as big as it gets, I think. They were to come in, take it seriously, give some respect. There's the sense of humility and to take off the sandals expresses an inward reverence. So there's the outward behavior of taking off the shoes, but inwardly it's saying, hey, actually, I revere you. I am treating you as master. I am seeing you as above myself. It's probably not the kind of message you really want to expect to hear on a Sunday night at church. But showing this respect avoids anything casual, sloppy, or rude. Right? Avoids anything casual, sloppy, or rude. So it's not that we have to show respect. It's not that we have to show reverence, but it just, when we approach in this way, it does help us to avoid being casual. It does help us to avoid being sloppy. It does help us to avoid being rude. Other commentators see the removing of shoes as a sign of submission. So in this day, shoes were for the top dogs. Not everybody had shoes. Only the rich had shoes. Only the powerful had shoes. In fact, they say that the invention of the Roman sandal was one of the things that enabled the military might of the Romans because while the rest of the world was shoeless, their feet were protected. Now, this is a little while before the Romans, so the the shoe was not a common thing. Now, Matt, that's all well and good, but that is the Old Testament. The temple curtain is torn in two, Matt. We can approach God freely. Yes, that's true. But let's have a look at Hebrews. Is Hebrews in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Okay, I'm just, you see what I'm doing? I'm just building my case bit by bit. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, since we're on the winning team, since we have aligned ourselves with the commander of heaven's armies, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's do it that way. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. You don't want to play with fire. You show fire respect. You know that it has great power, and if it's working for you, it's phenomenal. You can do all sorts of great stuff. But when that fire joins, or you're on the other team of the, I don't really, I haven't thought this through, (laughs) as you can tell. But in a man v. fire scenario, I think the fire would win most times, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they were in the fire with the direct presence of God. So the cloud for the nation of, of Israel was actually quite significant as well. And I'm just going to give a little bit of scripture here. Guess what? We're going to Numbers at the 5 p.m. Everybody excited for the book of Numbers at the 5 p.m.? Let's, let's bring that up. When the cloud lifted above the tent, the people of Israel marched out. And when the cloud descended, the people camped. The people of Israel marched at God's command and they camped at his command. As long as the cloud was over the dwelling, which was the temple in the middle of the nation and then millions and millions of people around it, when the cloud was in the middle, we'll stay. When it moves, we'll go. On to the next one. 
Even when the cloud hovered over the dwelling for many days, they honored God's command and wouldn't march. They stayed in camp, obedient to God's command, as long as the cloud was over the dwelling. But the moment God issued orders, they marched. If the cloud stayed only from sunset to daybreak and then lifted at daybreak, they marched. Night or day, it made no difference. When the cloud lifted, they marched. It made no difference whether the cloud hovered over the dwelling for two days or a month or a year. As long as the cloud was there, they were there. And when the cloud went up, they got up and marched. They camped at God's command and they marched at God's command. They lived obediently by God's orders as delivered by Moses. Is there any more? Is that the end of it? That's the end of it, eh? So, are you open to your whole world being disrupted in order to follow the cloud? You set up camp for three million people and tear it down two days later. Imagine that. (sighs) But worse than that, imagine if you thought it might be two days, but now it's like a week. When are we going to have to pull it down? Six months. Oh, it's still there. What the heck? Imagine living in that place of, does anybody like unresolved tension? That's a year. And then maybe you've been in a place for a year and then the next is like two days. I don't know who told the story, so I can't give the credit. Um, I think it might have been Pastor Sam. But there was this, this picture of you know, a particular couple from the nation of Israel that got to one campsite and really liked it. They loved it. They thought this campsite is a little bit of us. And six days later, the cloud moved on. And they thought, man, we're sick of moving. For the last 27 years, we've followed that stupid cloud. We've just found a good piece of dirt. We've just found a place that feels like home. And it's moved again. I am not going. I am staying right here. Now, this is always a risk. So I'm just going to use the most common white person last name. This is not an indictment on anybody. This is not a personal dick. So the Smiths are sitting there, (laughs) and they're like, yeah, this is us. This is us. Isn't this the life? Ah, the serenity. Yeah, some people got that. Some people got that. Ah, the serenity. Now, here's the thing. In the daytime, it was a cloud. Now, you're in the desert, What's one of the things that happens in the desert? It gets really hot. So if I have a cloud, it gives me a bit of shelter. Cool. At nighttime, the cloud turned into fire. What does fire do at nighttime? Keeps you warm. So three million people sheltered and kept warm by this thing. Now the smiths are like, ah, oh, this is the life. This is pretty good. Cloud moves on, and it's like, Maybe it moves on at daybreak, let's say, because that's the word that it used there. And they're like, oh, this is beautiful. So peaceful. There's not three million people. There's not all those annoying little kids. This is pretty good. And then, you know, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. Oh, man. Oh, Mrs. Smith, it's starting to get a little bit warm. That stupid sun. Oh, oh no good. Oh, okay, it's just, this is exactly what we wanted. This is, this is our retirement patch. <sighs> right? You get the idea. You get where we're going. So then now, that's the daytime. I survived the day. It was quite hot. It was quite uncomfortable. But this is the life. 
I've made myself quite comfortable. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh man, the sun's gone. What the heck? Mrs. Smith, come over here. I am Mr. Smith in this analogy. Chill out. Chill out. Just relax. <clears throat> oh, it's cold. You get the idea. I think that'll do for the purpose of... In fact, I went way further with that than I intended. <clears throat> this should have been a real quick little story, but I was just having a bit of fun. Hopefully that's all right. At the 5 p.m. <laughs> And, but how long would it have taken for them to get sick of the heat, sit and go, oh, flip, now we've got to catch up. Okay, we're going to pack up all of our things. We want to, we want to catch up. Yeah, hey, it's, it's awesome where we are. We love it. It's great. But the presence of God has moved, and now my patch of serene ground where I can see myself retiring has all of a sudden become too hot in the day and too cold at nighttime. So I want to catch up. Now we Oh, and there's that, you know, oh, that family, they're going to, we're going to go around this side of the camp because the Stevensons will have us on and they'll make fun of us. Yeah, you get, yeah, cool. But so the point of that is how much disruption are you willing to put up with when the cloud moves? How comfortable are you where you are right now that when the cloud moves, you'll stay there even though it's going to get real hot and real cold? Because how many know in life, sometimes when we are right in the middle of God's will, life feels just right. When we come outside of it, one minute it's too hot, the next minute it's too cold, now it's too hot again. What the heck's going on? It's not like one-ish, it's not just too hot all the time. Because if it was too hot all the time, you can acclimatize. Oh, I can get used to the heat. But no, it's freezing and it's hot. And it, yeah, Good, all right, that'll do. That'll do, moving on, moving on. Move it along, Cornford. But I don't... <laughs> Three million people camping. They might have set it up at 6 p.m. one night, 6 a.m. the next morning we're going. I don't know how you live in that space for 40 years. It doesn't sound like many people's idea of comfort. It doesn't sound like many people's idea of forward planning, retirement planning, sound financial decisions, investment portfolios. It just sounds like where God is, I'm going to be there. I've got that line from the meme here. Ain't nobody got time for that. Pack up, sit down, pack Ain't nobody got time for that. Well, apparently you do when you're following him wholeheartedly. Apparently you do have time for a little discomfort. Apparently you do have a, a little bit of time for a little bit of pain, a little bit oh, unresolved tension, not really sure what's going on. Ah, oh, but the clouds are going that way. I'm not sure. Maybe it is actually okay to be in that place when I'm doing it wholeheartedly. Simply where the cloud is, there I want to be. So what would it look like if we approached the cloud like this? I've seen where you are moving, and I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. I love that line from the Brooke Fraser song, which is probably getting a little bit cliche now. I want to be where you are. Now I have seen where you are, now I have seen what it's like without you. <laughs> I am responsible. 
for those people who have not yet learned to follow the cloud and are going from hot to cold to hot to cold. I am now responsible for them because I understand that life is actually quite pleasant when I am living under the shelter and the heat of the cloud and the fire. This is where we land with faith without deeds is, is dead. Right? Faith without deeds is dead. Faith saying, yes, I'm following the cloud and then it moves on and I do nothing is dead in the desert. If we bring up James, please. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? This is from the message. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? If I just talk a big game and I do nothing, outrageous nonsense. I would hazard a guess that maybe there are people in the world that have heard a lot of talk out of churches, never seen anything really happen, and so they get a little bit like, that's outrageous nonsense. Yes, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is outrageous. It is nonsense. It doesn't make sense. It is full to the wise, foolish to the wise. But when they can see what it is to live in the presence of the cloud, when they see that, it's no longer outrageous nonsense. It's now something that actually has relevance to my life. Okay, I can see I've been hot, I've been cold, I've been hot, I've been cold. So if I get in the presence of the cloud, I might be just right. When we live following the cloud, living fully in his presence, we will see what it is we need to do. And then we simply need to act. I'm not saying that you're going to solve the world's problems just with this stuff, but I am saying that you might be able to solve your world's problems. You might not be able to end child poverty, but you might be able to end some children's poverty. You might not be able to end teen suicide, but you might be able to end a teen suicide. You may, you may not be able to end depression, but you may be able to love someone out of depression. I have seen, now I am responsible. And here's the thing, it does take a little bit of denial of self. It does take a little bit of living in this space of, is the cloud moving? Oh, I've been here for a couple of days, what's happening? Oh, yeah, six months, I'm still, uh, it will take some of that. If I've learned anything this year, and to sum up how I feel that this maturity that people are observing, which is nice, if, if I could sum up how that happened, it just is simply through denial of self through embracing a little bit of different pain, a little bit of get outside of my comfort zone, a little bit of when the cloud moves, I'm going to move, I'm going to pack up everything. Maybe that ends up in a place where I've actually now aligned myself with the cloud. Can the team come up please? Finished at 10 past 6. You're welcome. <laughs> but here's the thing, we're not finished.
because I want to give us an opportunity tonight to respond. Now, probably given the nature of the day, let us metaphorically take our shoes off. You don't need to actually take your shoes off. If I actually take my shoes off, some people might go to sleep. And if Mike takes his shoes off, we're definitely going to sleep. (laughs) But so what I'd like to do tonight is just to say, hey, look, in this place, this is holy ground. Where we're standing is holy ground. Why? Not because this room is special, but because the Spirit of God is here right now. We're in me, in you, living through, pouring out from our inside to the outside, rivers of living Water, the, the presence of God is, is here tonight. And so for some of you, you may find yourself feeling a little bit dry, a little bit thirsty, a little bit uh, not really sure, or maybe you might be feeling really quite hot right now, There's the, the sun's bringing a bit of pressure, or maybe it's freezing, and you're like, I'm not really sure what's happening. And what I'd love for us all to do is to come together as one body tonight, one voice, and just create a space and with praise, with worship, with our words in a moment, where this is holy ground, and let us take off our shoes. What is, this, what is this a symbol of? A sign of reverence, or a sign of respect, and a sign of awe. When I'm looking to align myself with the King of Kings, I'm going to come to him humbly. I'm going to come to him with a place. And what I'm going to invite us to do, we're going to go and we're going to sing this song with holding nothing. Because I think that what keeps us from simply following the cloud is that we hold on to something. And tonight, I'm not going to define for you what it is that you've been holding on to. But for each and every one of us, I believe there's something that we're holding on to that is limiting our ability to truly follow the cloud. So when we sing the song, it would be quite easy to sing. I surrender some to you. 85% I give to you. Withholding nothing, except for that thing that I really don't want to give. Withholding nothing. I surrender just about everything to you (laughs) most of it I give to you withholding just a little bit withholding just a little bit you get the idea right thank you that was perfect well done so in this moment don't let these just be words Don't let it just be another song that we sing but don't really mean. It might not be at this point tonight that you actually really feel like, hey, I can surrender everything. Because that is a big ask. You may be in that space and tonight, if it is able to say, I'm withholding nothing, awesome. But for you, it might just be to declare over that particular area, whatever it is that is holding you back, withholding nothing. From that area, I surrender it to you tonight. I think there's breakthrough tonight because we are standing on holy ground. So that is the scene that we're setting. King Jesus, my Savior forever. In this part that I just cannot let go, in this part that feels like it's got hooks, that feels like is holding that I'm bound up in tonight, 
I surrender all to you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 